It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball Players Edition. Alongside Tony Gwynn Jr., I'm Ben Davis. Big Time Baseball Players Edition is a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to your favorite radio stations for free, anytime, anywhere. Listen to over 300 stations and over 1,100 podcasts. Explore by location or genre to find music, news, and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC Sports. Well, we got a great program for you today. Tell you a little bit about ourselves. I am Ben Davis. I currently do the color for the Philadelphia Phillies um, on television alongside Tony Gwynn Jr., who, uh, Tony, tell us a little bit about yourself. I currently uh, do a lot of things for the San Diego Padres. I I host their Padres POV show. I also do pre and post on uh, Fox Sports San Diego. And I also do uh, some of the the color on the radio broadcast. So, uh, Pretty busy, but enjoy it. I get to be around the game. And most importantly, we are at the funnest part of the season right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we got a lot to talk to. We're going to get, get to Jeff Francoeur, who's going to join us later in the program. And, um, you know, as we finish up, just a few games left here on the regular season schedule as we get into the playoffs. And who doesn't love the playoffs? But they're a very exciting time. But I think one of the hot topics in baseball right now is, is how to make the game more exciting. Um, there's a, a couple of different things that we're talking about. Uh, I mean, Tim Anderson recently came out. He called the game boring, quote unquote, boring. Uh, I think at times it can be on that spectrum. I never look at it that way, but I think maybe some people do. Uh, there's a couple of different ways we could make it maybe more exciting. Tony, any, any thoughts on how we can go about that? Uh, it's tough because analytics is such a part of the game and, and and it should be, I don't want it to sound like it shouldn't be, but when you have analytics, you take the risk out, which from a spectating standpoint is, is really the, the thing that draws you to the game, at least for the fans that aren't, you know, baseball nerds, right? So everybody else who's watching the game, you have to assume that it's a casual fan because the baseball nerds are going to be there regardless. So the casual fan that watches, there needs to be some type of intrigue that keeps you watching. And when you the analytics basically give you the answers to the test, so some of the risk that is involved is taken out, and it does kind of make for a boring game. Listen, I've I, I've broadcasted and, and pre and post did pre and post on at least eighty five games this year, and I would say the large majority of them were very very boring. 
and 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 that's different teams. Uh, Padres are always involved, but uh, this was a Padres team in the first half that was an exciting team. But I think the game overall uh, has to find ways. And listen, I think they're making steps. I think uh, next year with the rosters in September only going to 27, not being at 40, uh, with um, relievers having to face multiple batters now next year. I think some of those things will help. I don't know if it makes the game faster. And to be honest, I don't necessarily believe that the game being done quicker is what people are looking for. I just think they're looking for more intrigue, more excitement in the game. And uh, I think those are steps towards it. But listen, when you have so much downtime with walks, strikeouts and home runs between action, it's going to it's going to lead people to believe that it's boring. Yeah, I mean, you talk you bring up the home runs. This year alone, there's 24 teams in baseball with over 200 home runs, 200 home runs or more, 24 out of the 30 teams. The only team that has not done that, or or I'm sorry, the only team that doesn't have a 20 home run hitter this year is the Detroit Tigers. And obviously that's an an offense that is, is lacking, but I think the biggest yard in all of, all of baseball. Very very (laughs) true. But you have, you have, you know, I think MLB said, you know what, we have to make this game more exciting. Let's make the balls a little juicier. So these balls are flying out of the ballpark. But I don't know if that's really solved anything. I think I think it's backfired. I think I really think it has. I mean, I look at the list right now. There's 128 guys in Major League Baseball uh, that have at least 20 home runs. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, and, and the simple fact that you 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 increased uh, you know the bar, you, you made the you changed the ball so that it travels better through air. I don't know that that's the answer because guess what? It, it's much like the three-point ball. When it first came in, everybody was excited, but but now everybody shoots it, so it's not that big of a deal. Home runs with 128 guys hitting 20 or more are not that big a deal anymore. So whether chicks dig the long ball or not, I don't know that it has helped the game at all. No, I, I'm with you, but some of these guys are going to get paid, and the owners oh, yeah. going to have to pay them. So this is like a complete 180 on them thinking, all right, we'll make it more exciting, but obviously they're going to have to spend some more money for them this season, um, you know, one thing I look at, and I don't remember this and back when we played, Tony, but the amount of foul balls that I've seen this season, I don't know if, if it's the, the the lack of command from pitchers or is it just the hitters having a better sense of the strike zone. But I have seen so many foul balls. And I think this is a major contribute, contributing factor to the length of games. There have been so many foul balls. Just over this last week, I can't tell you how many 10, 12, 12 pitch counts I've seen from certain guys. It it blows my mind. And it's, I think it's more so honestly, the lack of command from the pitchers than it is the hitters being better. What what say you? I I agree. I agree. I think it's lack of command. I think with the emphasis being on driving the baseball a lot more than it used to be, especially in counts where, you know, you you, you probably should be a little more defensive. Um, I think that has contributed to it. It's probably a little bit of both. And, uh, the swing up generation probably hasn't helped that as well. So when you combine that with more guys taking, I guess you would say, a risk with two strikes, uh, you're going to get more foul balls. It, it, and it used to be those type of, of 12, 13 at, pitch at bats were like a, a very far and few in between, and, and mm-hmm. they stood out. You yep. pretty much see that at least once a game where somebody mm-hmm. is – fouling off or extending in at bat. And I know, listen, the, the Yankees started that trend, right? You wear down the pitcher, you foul balls off. 
but they were doing it as strategy. I feel right. like this is just comes with the course. The guy's throwing hard. His velocity, his command isn't that great. Uh, and I'm trying to drive this baseball. I'm going to take more swings at pitches maybe I possibly wouldn't have, I wouldn't have. And there you have more foul balls. Then, you know, eventually the umpire runs out of balls. The ball boy's got to bring out <laughs> seven, eight more balls. You put them yep. in his pocket, and they do it all over again. I, I hadn't even thought about the foul ball point until you just brought it up, but I think it's a very valid point. Yeah, I mean, the, the lack of command. I mean, you know better than anybody. You get in the box, and you go one-two against a pitcher, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm screwed. You know, like it's right. over. But there's other guys you're thinking, okay, you know what? I don't care if it's one-two. I don't care if it's two-two. I still have a fighting chance here. I see the ball well off this guy. I think that's just where it is in baseball. But guys yeah. just don't know where the where the heck they're throwing the baseball. So most of the time, it might be in the middle. You get out of the count, you spray it off. You live to see another pitch. But um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's there's but, some guys like Verlander. You're not going to see that many foul balls off Verlander. He's going to punch your ticket because he because him and Cole like they their command is superior to most of the mm-hmm. pitchers in the league. It, you know, I had a I had a teammate Casey Blake that had had a rule against it was certain guys in the league that we consider rock throwers. A rock thrower is a guy that really doesn't have very much command, but he throws hard. He had a four before three rule. He he could guarantee that he would see four balls and before three strikes and wouldn't have to swing if he didn't want to. Now, there used to be only maybe a handful of guys in the league like that. That is probably not the case anymore. There's probably at least 20 to 40 to 60 guys who are like that now. So you can go up there and you're not going to not swing, but because they don't have that command, if you literally decided not to, you could end up walking every at bat because the command just isn't there. And I think the onus falls on the organizations, right? Everybody's enamored mm-hmm. with velocity, uh, and they are no longer teaching command. Now, listen, in some cases, you either have it or you don't. You either have feel or you don't. But it used to be those guys weren't going to get to the big leagues unless they had just unbelievable velocity. But the problem now is, Everybody has unbelievable velocity. So the margin for error missing in the middle is a little bit bigger than it would be if your, your velocity is lower. And teams, you know, I think they're willing to take that risk. Absolutely. Uh, I know pace of play is, is certain people think it needs to improve. One in particular is Scott Boris. Obviously, Scott, the super agent that he is and uh, what he has done for the game of baseball blows my mind how many clients he has, big name guys. But he thinks that Major League Baseball needs to go the opposite approach. He thinks they need to take more steps for player safety, uh, whether that be making the base out of something else. The, there's wet bases, guys getting hurt. We saw it with his biggest, one of his biggest clients, Bryce Harper, a couple seasons ago when he got on top of the bag and his foot slipped. He ended up busting his knee up. So there's other t- different things that I think maybe he would like to see changed in the game. Um, you know, in some of the injuries that occur, player safety, I know they've done some things for fan safety, putting the nets down the sidelines, which I am all for. Uh, but player safety, is there anything you think they could change? If they're if they're completely okay with pace of play being where it is, sure, there's some things you could do. You could have a, a groundskeeper come out and wipe the bases down every after every at bat. Uh I, I mean, listen, in both cases, uh Chris Chris Bryant. Uh, Bryce Harper fundamentals broke down when hitting the bat. How, what, let me ask you, let me ask you, BD, what mm-hmm. were you, what were you taught? Where were you taught to hit the bag when you were running through first base? You hit the front part of the bag. Your hit, you your hit toe the, hits the front part of the bag. 
And, um, and that's yeah. that's that's a fundamental thing that exactly. we all learned at a very early age. In both yeah. of those cases, Bryce hit the middle of the bag and uh, towards the right side, towards the foul side. Chris Bryant hit the back part of the bag towards the right side. And let me tell you, across baseball, not all the way through Little League, bases get wet at night when yep. when the dupe when the dew starts to roll over the the, the field. No matter what. And the reason why they tell you hit the front part is for that exact reason. With metal spikes on, you hit the wrong part of the bag, you can hurt yourself, you can slip, and that's what happened on both of those. Now, uh, those are fundamental issues that that yep. were missed, and, and that's what caused those injuries. You could have groundskeeper come out and rub those bags down every inning. Guess what? By maybe the fourth or fifth pitch, dew will start to resonate on that bag again. It will be wet. There's just... There's just not a lot you can do about those two particular situations. Yeah, it's crazy. It's funny you bring that up because certain ballparks, it just seemed like Dodger Stadium was one. Uh, yep. The Big A. And, was one. Yep, Anaheim was. And I had, well, I just put it plain and simple. I had bad feet. So I like to wear the, the plastic molded spikes. Most yeah. parks, I could get away with it. But those ballparks at night, as it started to get a little uh, later, the home plate becomes so wet and it would i if a guy got up and i had to throw to second base i would slip on the plate so therefore i had to wear metal spikes at those certain ballparks um it's just the way it was and uh you know it's it would get wet it was it's funny how it happened but the metal spikes would prevent you uh at times from sliding on the plates when they did get wet but um you know it's 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 something i other than that i don't know what else they could do for player safety to really make the game safer for players it's a game you play it sometimes you get hurt that's the bottom line Ben, you bring up a good point, and, and I haven't been able to see if those guys, because a lot of guys now like to wear the plastics, like whether they're in the infield or the outfield, a lot of guys like to wear plastic. Now, I don't know what those guys, particular guys, had on their feet that day, but uh, I know that there is not a lot you can do about uh, when when there is no rain that's coming and it's just moist outside. There's just not a lot you can do about it. I mean, like I said, you could have groundskeepers come out after every at bat, we'll rub the bases down, but that's only going to make things longer, to be honest. Hey, everybody. Cody Decker here from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about 4hims.com. 4hims.com is your one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And you know what? I'm 32, and I've been taking hymns for three weeks now. Baseball did everything it could to take my hairline away from me, whether it was just wearing a helmet, wearing a hat, or my managers just not playing me. My hair was going away. And I'm 32 years old, and I don't want to be part of this statistic anymore. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help you regrow your hair. 4Hims connects you to real doctors online. Get the hair loss treatment everybody's talking about, featured in GQ, Men's Health, Playboy, just to name a few, not to mention, I talk about it every day on our Radio.com original Swings and Misses. Go to 4Hims.com slash swings. That's 4Hims, F-O-R-A. H-I-M-S dot com slash swings. As we shift into the, the playoffs and some teams that didn't make the playoffs or are not going to make the playoffs, uh, you got the Red Sox, Phillies, Mets, Cubs. I think there's some four clubs right there that spend an awful lot of money and really haven't got a whole lot in return. I know the Phillies in particular, they need to win two out of three. And the Phillies are seven and nine this season against the Marlins. Seven and nine against one of the worst teams in all of baseball. 
Uh, they have three games left. They need to go. They win, need to win two out of three to stay above 500 for the season. You want to talk about disappointing that not, not seeing this on any spectrum is where this would come from. Uh, very disappointing season that the Red Sox World Series champions from last year uh, not making the playoffs. The Mets, they go out and spend all this money. They get Diaz uh, and Cano from Seattle. And the Cubs, obviously, with that big payroll and all this expected from them. Uh, where do you see with these four clubs in particular, which one do you think is the most disappointing? I think it has to be the Red Sox. I mean, the Phillies come in a close second, but I think it has to be the Red Sox because they're the defending champions and not much change from their team last year. So this is a team that literally blew away the pack last year. And for whatever reason, um, they didn't get off to a good start and then had to dig themselves out of a hole that they just couldn't overcome. So I would put them at the top, followed by Philly, because here's a team, Philly, that got out the gates last year like gangbusters. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were one of the best teams. Uh, Then they had, you know, as you would expect from a young team, they, I mean, I shouldn't say you expect them to collapse, but they had a, a downturn there that they just weren't able to to get out of. Uh, but then when you add Bryce Harper this year, you add Rio Muto this year. They added year. four All-Stars. Four. They, Segura. I mean, they added four All-Stars. They got to be second. And as I said, it's a close second that they come in behind Reds, the Red Sox. But after that, I think it's the Cubs, then the Mets. The, the, the Mets, listen, I know they went out and brought a whole bunch of guys, but I, Anybody who was looking at their roster felt like, man, there are a lot of things they need to happen right. And they didn't get those things happening right really until the second half. And all of a sudden they became a a different ball club. So uh, I would put them in that order with the Red Sox being the most disappointing. But either way, uh, there's going to be a lot of question marks for all four of these teams come this offseason as far as what moves they want to make to help their teams be in a better position come next year. Yeah, from a managerial standpoint, I think Joey Cora is cer- certainly safe. But you have the Phillies with Gabe Kapler, Mickey Calloway with the Mets, and Joe Madden with the Cubs. Do you think their jobs are secure? Ooh, man. I mean, everything we hear about Joe Madden, uh, it doesn't seem like his job is secure. I mean, you, you're getting a lot of stories coming out of there. I, I'm interested to see. I think, yeah, I think obviously uh, Alex Cora in, in, in uh, Boston – will be um, safe. I think I think the Mets Callaway will be safe too. I think the year the second half that they put on to get back in this race, I think will save him. I think the two, the two biggest question marks are, are the Phillies with Gabe Kapler and and the Cubs with Joe Joe Madden. I mean it was reported I read a report earlier that said uh, in spring training they were told if they didn't get the job done. Uh, there'd be some major changes. So you have to wonder what happens there after two disappointing finishes for the Phillies. Uh, you have to wonder what's going there, especially consider the four all-stars they brought in last year. Uh, that's probably going to weigh pretty heavily, heavily uh, on the decision-making process. I would think. Yeah. Gabe has another season left, but Joe Madden is done his contract this year, but uh, I, I I would say either one of them. They got to be in some hot water here. Um, talk about some teams that might that will go to the playoffs. And I, this Brewers team, I, I don't know how they're doing it. I really don't because you look at their starting pitching. It's like okay, uh, so what? And then you look at you know you think about them, Christian Yelich, you know, m- missing the remainder of the season with that fractured patella. It's like how are they doing this? But they're say they have a chance actually to overtake the Cardinals and win the National League Central blows my mind. 
two, three weeks ago, this team was seven and a half out. Uh, and I think it was like five out of the wild card spot. And they've got win 18 of their last 20. They're one game out of the central with three games to go. Now, uh, the Cubs aren't going to do them any favors. It sounds like Joe is going to play uh, the healthiest guys he has available. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, and, and so I expect to hear some complaining from the Brewers as far as the lineup that the Cubs are throwing out there against the Cardinals. Uh, that being said, uh, the Brewers got to continue to do what they've been doing, which is take care of their own business. If, as long as they're doing that, uh, everything else will kind of take care of itself. I got I, shoot. I don't even know what to say about their starting rotation. I mean, I think I think Gio Gonzalez is the biggest name they have in the rotation, and he hasn't pitched as well as he's pitched in the past. Uh, they've got some good starter starts out of a few guys there, but it boils down to their bullpen and them scoring runs. And you got to give that offense some credit because obviously you use a guy like Yelich, uh, an MVP candidate, still at this point. Um, you got to feel like your chances are good, but. They didn't believe that. They believed their squad could do it. And they had some guys really uh, step up. Moustakis has been unbelievable for him since Yelich has gone down. He's been on fire. Uh, Amongst some of the other guys, Ryan Braun's played well. I mean, they've had a lot of different guys step up in this time that Yelich has been gone. And that's really been how they've been able to, to close the gap and get within a game of the Central Division. Yeah, and think about what this the- – the volumes this speaks about Craig Council. I mean, for him yeah, to be yeah. able to go out and do what he's been doing, um, it's just a different – that dugout seems to react differently under his his leadership. Um, obviously, he, Craig was a, a fiery guy playing against him for years. Um, you know, that awkward stance, it was just different. <laughs> but, you know, his his style, his approach is a little it, different too With that, from a managerial standpoint. It, 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 it's a little bit like the Braves staff, right? They have a lot of former managers on that staff. So it's steady. There's no panic. And as I played with Craig uh, Council for, 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 a few, for a few different years in Milwaukee. And the thing I can tell you about his personality is he's the same guy every single day. He's steady mm-hmm. as they come, as fire as he was, fiery as he was as a player. He doesn't really have that temperament as a manager. He's much more even keel. You very rarely see him get excited, even when he gets ejected. It's not like a blow up that we see from many of the managers around baseball. It's very tempered, uh, and, and I think when you get in tight spots, you kind of need that steadiness as players. You want to walk into the clubhouse before a game. Look at and and get the vibe from your manager. Like there's this is there's no panic. Like we're we're going to do the same thing we've been doing, and I think that's really served uh, the Brewers and those players well in this tough time when they lost Yelich. You look up now, and I think that's a big part of, of why they're as close as they are, and, and they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, moving switching gears, we'll talk about some arms in the National League, American League. Uh, I think I firmly believe that Justin Verlander has the American League Cy Young wrapped up. Um, but in the National League, there's some intrigue there. You got Ryu with the Dodgers. You got uh, you got uh, Steven Strasburg, who just won his 18th game of the season. And then you got Jacob deGrom again at the top. I think it's going to boil down basically to those three. Maybe even a Max Scherzer in there. His numbers are up, especially the strikeouts. Uh, where do you see the National League Cy Young award going to? That's that's really, really tough, right? Because you do have those three, I think, uh, Ryu, Strasburg, DeGrom, have all pitched extremely well. Um, I, I, I mean, listen, 
it's tough because Ryu hasn't finished as well. You know, DeGrom has been kind of has been pretty much steady all season long. Um, you got to look at Strasburg and those wins. I know people kind of poo-poo wins nowadays, but uh, I think that's a big factor, especially for him. I mean, he's he's been healthy all season long. This is the type of stuff you get uh, when he's healthy. But I think at the end of the day, I, I think it boils down to DeGrom and Ryu, and I think DeGrom has a chance to win back-to-back yeah. yep. uh, Cy Youngs despite – I mean, shoot, he won it last year with, what, 10 wins? <laughs> I think something like that. He had to say, I know he had an unbelievable ERA and all that stuff, but he's been steady all year long. And, and uh, when you look at it from front to back, I think he's got the leg up on Ryu, only because Ryu, who, if if he just had a decent second half, he probably runs away with this because he was far and ahead from an ERA standpoint ahead of everybody. But the second half hasn't been... Uh, very nice to him. So, I, listen, I think DeGrom has a chance to win two two years in a row. Yeah, Strasburg's leading in innings pitched. Um, you know, Ryu's got these averaging – Ryu's averaging 1.23 walks a game. Uh, Strasburg leader in wins. But you look at the strikeouts, I think strikeouts is one thing that – you know, I know it's a, a day and age where there's a, there are a lot of strikeouts. But DeGrom has 255. Then he has followed by Strasburg with 251. And Scherzer, who missed six weeks – He's still at 243 strikeouts. That that stat blows my mind that he's yeah. still there how, despite missing all those starts. How about their top three starters being two, three, and four in strikeouts in the National League? That that's why yeah. they're a dangerous team come playoff time. Exactly right. And it's you face some of these big lineups, the guys that hit the ball out of the home run, out of the ballpark. What uh, what accompanies hitting home runs? The strikeout. And if you yeah. throw out these guys on any given day, shut a lineup down, then he puts some doubt in these hitters' minds. You're like, ooh, I, I just I've just watched the Phillies get swept in a five game series from the Nats. And the th- I know we you know we'll talk to J- Jeff Francoeur. Obviously, you know he's, he sees a lot of good hitters in that uh, Braves lineup, most notably three four with uh, Freeman and Donaldson. But I'll take the three four of Soto and Rendon any day of the week. Uh, I think those two alone can carry a lineup to go along with that starting pitching. I think that the black horse in this in this race or the wild card could be the Nationals and moving forward to possibly get into the World Series. I I, I would agree with the only caveat being that I still do not trust their bullpen as far as I can throw it. I know they've had some success here lately, but playoff baseball really boils down to the bullpen. At least it has in the last three, four, five years, you got a strong bullpen, the game has changed on its head because of it. Now, obviously the Nationals are different because they have starters, but unless those starters are going to go nine or eight for that matter, uh, I, I I just can't trust their bullpen. That's why I like the Braves. I really do. I like the Braves uh, to be the team that can dethrone the Dodgers. Not saying they will, but I won't be surprised uh, if they do, but not at all. In a couple of minutes, we will get to Jeff Francoeur, the color commentator for the Atlanta Braves. We're going to get to Jeff Francoeur here in a minute. But first, hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 
so you can get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our website address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, we are now uh, excited and, and very happy to bring on Jeffrey and Core, former big leaguer, current TV analyst for the Atlanta Braves, uh, obviously Franchi was a uh, star when he was playing this game and uh, played for the Braves, Mets, and Phillies, among some other teams. Gold Glover, uh, multi-sport athlete before he got to baseball. Jeff, uh, thank you for joining us today, brother. Thanks, man. Honored. Uh, let's get right to it. I mean, Ronald Acuna, he's been deactivated for the rest of the season. Uh, sounds like for mainly precautionary reasons, is there any um, – is there any scare? Is there any possibility that he's not ready to go come postseason time? No, every from all the things being with the team, everybody says he's going to be good to go next uh, Thursday for the division series. I think the big thing is he could have, I really think, played. He can hit. He can do all that. He can even run a little bit. But I think the biggest thing the Braves are worried about, which, you know, I'm sure – Anybody in his shoes would have, if they would have had that opportunity, mm. I think they're worried about him getting on first base and just stealing <laughs> on the first base. Because he's three, <laughs> he's three short, he's three short of 40 40, right? That, and that's my point. So I think yeah. the only way, the only way to do that was to shut him down. And, and you know, you hate it for him, but I think, I think we've all watched him enough to know that there's a good chance he's just going to get 40 40 next year. Good point. Jeff, as, as you enter the playoffs here, uh, you have a, a couple different options that you have to start game one. In your opinion, who do you think is going to take the ball? Brian Snicker, who's he going to turn to? From all indications from talking to them, they're going to throw Dallas Keuchel game one. Um, they're going to throw Mike Fultonevich game two and then start Mike Soroka um, game three, especially if it's the Cardinals. Now, I get the way the Brewers are playing. Who knows? But – if you've watched, if you look at Mike Soroka's stats on the road, his road ERA went, to, it's unbelievable. And yeah. he's pitched great on St. Louis's mound. So I like that. And I like the idea of throwing a guy like Dallas Keiko. I think we all know first game of the playoffs, everybody's amped up. They're all juiced up, you know, ready to swing and ready to do something. I just think a guy like Dallas, Dallas can take advantage of that, throw some off speed, throw that change up and cutter. So I actually kind of like the way that the Braves have set it up and then, Game two, listen, yeah, six weeks ago, Fulton Evich won't even been in the conversation, but his last right. six starts now, there's no way to keep him out of the rotation. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. Franchi, you know, help me with something here because I, I I look at this Braves team and I consider them a legitimate threat to to dethrone the Dodgers. The hot pick right now, obviously, is the Nationals because of the run they've been on. Milwaukee has won 18 of their last 20. What about this Braves team? Do you feel good about going into this this postseason, going up against some some pretty, you know, good National League teams? 
Well, the one thing you can say with the Nats is they were hotter than crazy. They came down to Atlanta about two weeks ago, and Atlanta took three out of four and pretty much yeah. just ended them. And they faced Scherzer. They faced Corbin. They faced Strasburg. They faced the whole gauntlet and really made those pitchers work. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, I was talking to Bruce Bochy when they were in town last week with San Fran, and he said, I'll be honest, if healthy, which that's the if, you know, we got to hope, but Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Donaldson, they're as good a one through four as I think in all of baseball. And, you know, I've watched a lot of teams this year. They, they walk, mm-hmm. you know, Donaldson, one walk away from 100. You know, Acuna walks all the time. Even Ozzy now is close to 50 this year. So they put so much pressure on you. And now having Marquecas back in that fifth hole behind him to add depth. Dansby had a huge night the other night. I just think this Braves team is really deep this year. And last year they weren't. You know, we figured they didn't have a chance to me to, to give L.A. what they, you know, could get. But I think this year with that and now with that back end of the bullpen, the way that they're pitching, Martin, Green, and Melanson, you know, I, I do believe this Braves team has what it takes to give them the Dodgers all they want. You know, Frenchie, you look at this ball club and there's a lot of different things you can point your finger at as to why they never hit a cold spell. I mean, they've been as consistent as any team in baseball. I think they're kind of flying under, underneath the radar with regards to how many wins they have. What's the number one contributing factor to why they haven't gotten in a cold spell? Is, is it Snickers, the offense? Is it the pitching? deep? What is it? What can you put your finger on? I, I think it starts with the manager, Brian Snicker, and his staff, Walt Weiss, Ron Washington, Eric Young. They're all of experience. They've all got tons of baseball knowledge, and they all don't panic. you got to think about it. Wash was a manager. Walt was a manager. EY's been around with baseball forever. These guys know how to prepare <clears throat> the players to play every night, and so they never panic. If they do lose two, three games in a row, there's no – you know, coming to the field and everybody's acting nervous or we're going to do extra work. They just do what they do every day. And the players, you know, they respond to that. I tell everybody on the telecast, you know, all the time, baseball players are creatures of habit more than anybody. And when you can keep things as consistent as the same, you're going to get results. And the players respond to that. Jeff Rancourt, current TV analyst for the Atlanta Braves, joins us here on Big Time Baseball uh, Jeff, how healthy is Nick Marquez? I know when you're dealing with wrist injuries, uh, they can be fickle at times. How healthy is he right now? He said he feels great. And I'll tell you what, I, I wondered how long it would take him to get going again. And I, I don't know if you happen to saw, uh, see it, but he came back for his first game in Washington uh, about what, two less, probably about two weeks ago. And his first at bat against Scherzer, Scherzer threw it 96 up and away, and he absolutely hit a bullet right back mm. at him up the middle. And I'm like, this guy's off seven weeks, and he comes back. And I just think that has a lot to do with just how he prepares. You know, Nick is just a fly. You talk about flying under the radar. The guy's almost got 2,400 hits, you know, and he's just so consistent. That's why I said I think the Braves lineup this year is the thing. Last year they were a little bit scary, but this year you see him hit the aces of the teams. And those are guys you're going to be playing during the playoffs. So, you know, the fact that you had him in fifth, and then, like I said, Dansby started to swing it. You just really lengthen that lineup, and they're going to be tough to stop. Frenchie, let's talk about the back end of that bullpen. I know you mentioned it, but Melanson in particular, he seems like the Melanson that was in Pittsburgh years ago. The cutter is cutting. He's got a little bit of velocity back on that four-seamer, and the overhand curveball is as good as we've seen it. How big of a pickup was just him alone getting him to Atlanta? 
you are not lying. I was I was talking to Madison Bumgarner the other day when Sam Fran was in. He said they turned on the game a couple of weeks ago and watched, and they were like, "Who the heck is this guy?" <laughs> we didn't here <laughs> for us, and you know it, it was he struggled in Sam Fran. You know, he got the closer job taken from him, and I think you saw a guy that came back to Atlanta now. And he's re-energized. And you said it. I mean, that ball is cut at 93. That curveball keeps guys off the cutter. And he has been lights out. Shane Green in the eighth inning has been what, you know, we saw all year in Detroit, you know, minus the first 10 days in Atlanta. And then Chris Martin, a guy to me that's kind of under the radar. When you watch him in the seventh inning, 96, 97, that's the thing I like for the Braves, I think, going forward in this postseason is you get to the – the sixth, seventh inning with a lead or tied, you're rolling out, you know, that gauntlet there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And one thing that they don't talk about, the Braves have scored 300 runs this year in the seventh inning or later. Um, wow. Is the best in baseball. And I think that's a stat that that's, doesn't get talked about enough because if they are tied, if they are down one or two in the seventh, eighth, ninth, they have that ability to easily come back and, and win a ball game. Jeff, I got to ask you, as you mentioned the coaching staff and how much experience you got there out here in San Diego, uh, there's a managerial spot that's possibly going to be opened up. Ron Washington's name has been mentioned. Have Has he spoken about, you know, possibly wanting to be a manager again? I, I know how much he enjoys the coaching element and being able to work with the guys. Is, is he even interested in, in being a manager again? Oh, I think Wash definitely would. And, you know, I had a chance to play for Ron in Texas when he went to the World Series in 2010. There's not a coach I've ever been around that works as hard as he does, whether yeah. it's working with the infielders, preparing, getting to the field. And I, I think it's – I tell people all the time, I can't believe, and we'll see what happens this offseason, that between Ron Washington and Walt Weiss, no one's going to be coming knocking at that door after how they've done, what they've done to this team. And and if they don't, I think someone's losing out on it. And I, yeah. I really mean that. I, I get the whole new young hot manager thing is the way to go. But I also think there's something said for a guy that's done it. He's had the experience and he knows how to motivate players. And I think Wash, you go ask Snit, Wash has been everything and more that he could have hoped to, to bring to Atlanta. Frenchy, I just have one last question for you. You got the tomahawk chop, right? Yeah. Who does it better, Florida Florida State or Atlanta Braves? <laughs> well, I think at this point you got to say the Atlanta Braves because twenty five thousand people in the stands down there right now uh, watching the football team. So maybe when there's eighty five thousand at Doe Campbell, it's good, but not right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Hey, Jeff, we've been, we've been, every time we've had a guest on, we've been uh, asking them a little bit about their career. So I want to ask you, do you know who you've hit the most home runs off of in your career? Uh, I would have to say it's Dontrell Willis. Ah, He got it right. How about that? You're the first one to get it, get there, get something like that right. Everybody else is either I don't know or they guess it wrong. I I had to know for the fact that the first time I ever faced him, he punched me out three times and made me look absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) And I came back and I remember Chipper telling me, just look where that arm slot is. Don't look at his leg. Don't look at, you know, anything else when he's out there. Look where that arm slot. And I'm telling you what, I did it the next time up. Well, we faced him at the beginning of 06, and it was just like, He's that one guy that you could see. And and I love it because pitchers know that, you know. So, yeah, yeah. More, let's be honest, more pitchers own us hitters than we do them. But every once in a while when you get one, you just know, God, I need to be in the lineup tonight. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. Jeff, we know you got to get rolling. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and, and good luck to the Braves uh, during this postseason. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Frenchie. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Big Time Baseball Players Edition. We appreciate you listening, and Big Time Baseball Players Edition is presented by Radio.com Sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts by searching Big Time Baseball. You can also find it on Twitter at RDC Sports. Until next time, I'm Ben Davis alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports.